Hi everyone and welcome to this first episode of a very limited series podcast about some pretty crucial aspects of the media industry and especially regarding the field of documentary filmmaking. My name is Simo Staffans uh, and I'm a producer and creator from Finland and I'm the co-founder of production outfit Rethink. If you want to, you can read more of my musings on my blog over at simonstaffans.com. Now, one of the most important things for any documentary film producer today is to find an audience for our films. This is easier said than done. Although people today spend more time during the day consuming some form of content than they actually spend time sleeping at night, the plethora of content available makes it difficult to stand out enough to be noticed especially for long-form content. At the same time, there's never existed more opportunities to reach and engage in a fruitful way with a global audience than the opportunities we see today. There are a lot of benefits when it comes to engaging with an audience, gaining insights, building relationships, creating unique selling points and a sense of viability for your content and so on. So it really, really pays to start engaging with the audience early on in your development process. Some time ago I had the pleasure of moderating a talk with Sandra Lehner at the Leipzig Networking Days. As she is very much into one of the target groups that are the most difficult to reach with traditional content, the much-discussed Generation Z. And as we didn't have time during this talk or the Q&A afterwards to really delve into this target group nearly enough, I thought we'd have a chat here instead. Sandra is a pioneering digital executive, currently based in Zürich. As head of content acquisition EMEA for Liberty Global's cable channels, she brings digital content and television together, while also developing formats for platforms such as uh, Facebook Watch, and what she'll be talking about today, conducting intensive research into Generation Z and storytelling trends. So Sandra, glad to have you here. Uh, f- first of just, what is Generation Z or Generation Z or however you want to say it? Gen Z is the generation after the millennials. They are defined as people born from 1995 to 2010, roughly. And they're actually the world's first generation of truly digital natives. So they were born and have grown up with the high-speed internet, with the smartphones, social media, and access to news. So they're not only digital natives, but they're also social and mobile natives. And for them, it's mobile first, and they're also very social media driven. I can recognize that in my own kids. I, one thing, one thing that I just comes to mind when I when we define generation said, do you think it's possible for us who are not generation said to understand people who are generation said? I mean, in the sense that I grew up without internet and without mobile phones, etc. Is is there a is there such a gap between us that it's that it's not possible to really grasp what they're on about? I think it's possible to grasp. It's just, I think it's hard to replicate what they're doing because um, I'm a millennial. So I'm, I grew up with, um, you know, like multitasking on two different devices. Like I watch something on TV and I'm on the phone at the same time, but they actually use five devices at the same time. So they're very good at multitasking. Um, and also they, they grow up in this um, global world 
So they have probably more in common with um, people their age in Asia than with people in their own countries that are like 20 years older than they are. What, what do you see that they are engaging with? What are they using? Um, do you mean content-wise or platform? Yeah. Content-wise. Uh, so they, they actually grew up in a time of uncertainty. So they... Um, they grew up post 9-11, um, they experienced the financial crisis, the Great Recession, uh, uncertain job situations, then also uh, shifting gender roles, increased racial diversity, and that has definitely shaped them. So this generation is more realistic, pragmatic, anxious and private than any other generation before them. And uh, so the kind of content they engage with has to be in line with their values and they're very engaged with social and environmental issues. Um, they want content they can learn from. So they really like uh, real stories, uh, a day in the life videos, behind the scene videos and also how to content, which is very popular on YouTube. But at the same time, they also want to decompress and be entertained. Um, so I read a, a study by uh, Awesomeness TV, which is a Gen Z multi-channel network, and they found out that half of Gen Z are more likely to watch a video all the way through if it makes them laugh. So that's very important to them. Okay, so humor is one way to reach them, but when you reach them, it needs to, to retain sort of their interest. It needs to have a, a or it, it's good if it has a some value as well, some social value that that represents their what they what they think and believe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then it's very important to be on the platforms that they're using. What, what platforms are they on, and, and why do they use them? Do you know? Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> because they're very they're very private, so they favor one-to-one -one messaging apps like WhatsApp, Instagram, Snapchat. And they're also more likely to follow others on social media rather than share their lives like the, you know, the selfie generation, the millennials do. Um, and when it comes to videos, they mostly use YouTube. So 70% of them watch more than two hours of YouTube every day. And um, they prefer YouTube because it's peer-to-peer -peer content rather than professionally produced Hollywood content. One one thing that I what, that I start thinking about when I hear you describe this generation said is that they sound fairly conservative as a generation. You know, with privacy, uh, they're being a bit anxious, they're socially conscious, etc. They're not the the radicals, so to speak. Not, it doesn't sound like they are in general. No, but it's uh, every generation wants to be different than the generation before them. Um, and yeah, so they are actually very conservative. So like alcohol um, use and drug use is going down with this generation. Um, also teenage pregnancy is very low with this generation. Yeah, and, and they're very interested in politics, in environmental issues. Um, yeah, diversity, how they can help each other. So it's the next generation after this that's gonna that's gonna make some make some make some mayhem around the world. I guess, yeah. <laughs> generation Alpha, yeah. This being about documentary filmmaking in the context of Generation Z as an audience. Now, short form is obviously a very uh, attractive form of content for this audience, but 
documentary filmmaking is for the most part quite long form if we're talking half an hour or an hour or or, or feature length or whatever. So what role do you see that long form can play a role for this audience as well? Yeah, because they are mostly on Snapchat and Instagram, which are famous for the stories feature. They're definitely used to a short form content, very short form content. And for them, actually, uh, 10 minutes is already long form content. And that's what they're watching on YouTube. But as I mentioned before, they, this generation really wants to learn and they like how to content and, you know, expand their knowledge. So I definitely think um, there's still room for longer documentaries. Um, they watch traditional entertainment genres like sports, comedies, and also films, in particular documentaries in longer form. Um, and for short form, it's actually more the YouTube genres like beauty, fashion, that's popular with them. So, so it, one way could be to grab their attention with more short form and explosive content, so to speak, which leads them into long form. Exactly. That's what the BBC, for example, does. They have um, they have this show or the, the Instagram page actually uh, called BBC Stories, where they only post um, stories, so like very, very short videos. Um, but then you can swipe up and access BBC iPlayer and watch the whole documentary, for example. So, yeah, that's definitely a way to grab them with short form content on social media and then um, lead them to your VOD platform. Now, for this for this audience, what kind of content stands out for them? What kind of content do they engages them? So one of the biggest successes uh, recently, it's not it's not a documentary series. It's a drama series uh, called Scum, um, produced in Norway by the public broadcaster. And it was adapted by several countries uh, like Germany and Italy and also America for Facebook Watch. Uh, and it's so what what they really they um, they focus on topics that are very um close to to teenagers lives nowadays and they really resonate with them and it ranges from relationship difficulties uh, eating disorders um, homosexuality mental health issues religion identity so actually quite tough topics um, but but that's that's what they want they want authentic content that's actually relevant to them um, and then you also need to make use of their media behavior. So as I mentioned before, they're the ultimate multitaskers. So while they're watching something, um, they're scrolling through their social media feeds. They watch something on YouTube on their iPad at the same time and um, doing homework on their laptops. So you have to you have to grab them where they are. And that's actually what Scum does really well because you can watch the weekly episode um, on the VOD platform, uh, NRK's VOD platform, but you can also follow the stories on social media. So you can follow them on Instagram, uh, you can follow their conversations on Facebook Messenger um, and be in real time in the story, basically. So it's a whole new kind of um, approach to, to, to not only 
grab the attention of this audience and stand out amongst all other content. It's also to retain that attention and and connect with them over and over again. So it's not just having them come to the theaters to watch a 90 minute documentary. It's something a lot more long spanning than that to reach this audience. Yeah, I would say so. It's also because they're really difficult to reach with traditional media. So they probably don't don't see a movie trailer, maybe on YouTube, but um, or like a trailer for a new series because they don't watch uh, traditional broadcast TV. So you need to be on their platforms and very frequently. <laughs> when you have reached them, what kind of an audience are they? Are they loyal or do they have like zero attention span? Do they just flutter from one thing to another? Yeah, so they um, they definitely live in a world of continuous updates. They're constantly on their phones. Um, they actually process information faster than any other generation before them, uh, thanks to apps like Snapchat and Instagram. So their attention spans are definitely lower. Um, I read recently it's six seconds, so you have to... Uh, grab their attention within like three seconds. And if you still have them after six seconds, then it's very likely that they they watch the content until the end. And you also need to be aware that you probably grab them on their phones while they're doing something else. Uh, like, you know, they're, they're on the bus, um, or as I said before, like they're doing their homework and watching something on, on TV um, at the same time. So that's why a lot of producers uh, use captions in their videos. So you don't need the sound. You're, like, you can, um, if you have their full attention, then they probably turn on the sound. But if they're doing something on the side, they just read the captions. Yeah, and then the other interesting thing with Generation C is that they follow people. So my generation, millennials, we follow shows like Game of Thrones or Stranger Things. Um, they actually follow people. So they follow their YouTube stars and they subscribe to their channels. And I think that's when they become loyal. They're probably not loyal to a certain TV show, but they're loyal to certain people. And that's definitely a way to yeah, make them make them follow your content. So so it becomes more important for a documentary filmmaker to actually work actively on his or her brand uh, or his or her persona or, or whatever, so that it, it becomes a clear um, character to follow for this audience. Correct. Yeah. A final question. You talked about this. Um, uh, generation being quite global and quite connected all over the world and being more in tune perhaps with someone on another continent than with many people in their own country. But so looking at looking at this, can content today from anywhere appeal to audiences anywhere else amongst this audience today? Yeah, because I think they're like they're very global in their thinking and in their interactions and preferences. And actually, Scum became so popular because young people in Norway translated the series into other languages. Um, and obviously, young people from all over the world related to the characters and the topics of Scum. Um, so I would say they, they have so much in common with their global peers 
Um, and, and it is obviously because they have never lived in a world without the internet and they are reading the same news. Um, they're watching the same shows on, on YouTube, on Netflix. Um, the internet gives them access to content from all over the world. And as a result, uh, the shows that are produced at the moment um, are actually produced by international teams with ambitions to travel globally. So, for example, I recently read about a TV series called Find Me in Paris, and it's, um, it's produced by a French production company um, using an English script, an American and English cast, and a German distribution company distributes it and Hulu is the distribution partner in America. So I think this is this is the future of Gen Z content that when you already produce you have a global audience in mind and that's actually what um, Facebook Watch is trying to do as well. So they, they want to reach um, their billions of users all over the, the world and the same with Netflix and Hulu basically. So it's a totally different ball game to, to, to the one we've been playing for decades now. That's that's interesting. So yeah, I still think that uh, regional content is important, that you relate to your own culture. Um, but you have with this generation, you definitely have to uh, keep in mind that your competitor is probably not in your country. Your competitor is maybe somewhere in Korea <laughs> because... Young people are really into, you know, K-pop at the moment. So you have to think. You have what's the the saying? Act. Um, act act uh, locally. Think globally. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's it. Yeah. Sandra, thank you very much for participating in this in this uh, podcast, and I'm sure we'll have reason to get back to you on this topic, as this generation is not going anywhere, and they're going to be consuming more and more content that we want to reach them with. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and stay tuned for more episodes coming up.